Amen. So Romans chapter 11. I'm going to take a pretty big chunk of scripture this morning. Uh, we are in the course of an expository verse-by-verse study through the book of Romans, and we have been in it for quite some time, uh, since uh, sometime in the fall of uh, 2013, I believe. And here we are in 2016, and uh, we are still plugging away. But we are. this is our 71st lesson from the book of Romans. We're in Romans chapter 11, beginning with verse 16. And the passage that we're going to look at this morning, uh, it contains a parable that uses an olive tree to explain how the Gentiles have been grafted into the lineage and the blessing that flows from Abraham. So we're going to be looking at, if you remember, I told you uh, the last time that we were uh, teaching from the book of Romans that we had entered a small section in the 11th chapter that Paul takes an aside and writes directly to the Gentiles. And we're still in that segment, and this is, this is written directly to the Gentile church. And so it begins in verse 16. We're going to go all the way through verse 25 this morning. Amen. Amen. It says this, For if the first fruits be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. And thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God. On them which fail, severity, but toward thee, goodness, if thou continue in his goodness. Otherwise, thou also shalt be cut off. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if thou were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become. Amen. I know that's a large segment of Scripture. As a matter of fact, it's a much larger segment of Scripture than I normally uh, cover in a Sunday morning, but I'm going to be able to cover it all because it is a parable, and, and a lot of it is interrelational, and we'll be able to talk our way through it. Some of it uh, doesn't require as much in-depth uh, teaching as we do a lot of the time on the verses that we're studying. So we'll start back at verse 16. And I'm going to read it before I get into the exposition of it. It says this, For if the first fruits be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. So Paul, in his effort to establish the place of the Gentiles in the kingdom of God, he turns to these two parables. The, the verse here that we're looking at, verse 16, contains 
one parable in its entirety and the, the, the setting or the beginning of the second parable. First, he uses the illustration of a lump of dough. And to put that in context so that you understand what he's talking about, uh, after the harvest season, when the new grain had been brought in and the Israelites had gathered together that grain that God had blessed them with in that harvest season, it was a, a requirement by law that they honor God with their increase. And so the four, first portion of that grain belongs to God. Amen. The first fruits were God's. And the way that they would give God the first fruit is that when they would make dough from that new grain, when they would mix it together with, uh, the, make the flour, mix it together, and make the dough for baking, they would take, before they baked anything out of that lump of dough, they would first separate out a portion that belonged to God. They would cut it off, and it would be removed and separated from the rest. And that portion would be baked and then presented at the, te at the temple as an offering unto God, a heave offering. And they would give that to God. And, if, and when they did that, giving that portion to God, that portion was not holy. That portion was not special. It was not different than the rest of the grain. But because they separated that portion out and they gave it to God, God sanctified all of the rest. Amen? And so the blessings of God were on the rest of the lump. If the, if the first fruit of the lump was given to God, then God sanctified the whole lump of dough because they had set aside a portion for God. God promised, I will bless what is left. Amen? Now that principle is still in practice today. God requires of us that we set aside the first portion of our income. Amen. We say, Lord, I'm going to honor you first. I'm going to take that which you've given me, and I, before, I, before I do anything else with it, I'm going to take a portion, I'm going to set it aside, and I'm going to use it to honor you. And what God has promised is if you'll sanctify a portion unto him, he'll bless what's left. Amen. It's more than just a way to sustain the house of God. It's more than just a way to pay the bills around here and take care of the things that need to be taken care of here. It's a way that we garner God's blessing on what we have left. Amen? And, and if you haven't tried it, I would encourage you to try it because whatever you do with the 90% that remains, God's going to bless that. And believe it or not, it'll go further than you thought it would go. You'll, you'll see the blessings of God multiplied in your life, and it'll be more profitable than it would have been if you'd have had the whole lump. Amen? So in that illustration, the first fruits represents the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Israel at her very beginning was sanctified unto God. And because of that, the whole lump is sanctified unto God. The whole nation is special to God. Now that's not to say that God will not allow them to be lost because of their unbelief, but that he will try in every way possible to reach them, to change their direction before it is too late, to, to see that nation that is special in his eyes because it began with a sanctification. It began with a separation. It began with men who were separated unto God that he will do everything he can to preserve it. And that's the history of Israel. If you study the Old Testament, you'll see over and over again, they turn their back on God. They wander off into all kinds of sin and idolatry. And God is constantly trying to get their attention and change their direction. First, he does it through the judges. Then he does it through the prophets and, and prophetic preaching and 
Ultimately, he does it through their enemies. Their enemies come in and, and subdue them and, and lead them into captivity. And, and through that captivity, God reaches to the heart of those people and, and tries to remind them that uh, he has delivered them before. And he can deliver them again that they, if they will just turn their hearts back to him. Amen. Now, the second illustration is the basis for the rest of the verses that we read. Uh, it, is, it, is, it says that if the roots of a tree are holy, then so are the branches because the whole tree comes from its roots. It gets its nutrients. It gets the life-giving sap that sustains it, that, that, that res the resources that, that make it whole and that give it the ability to grow and produce fruit. All of that comes from the roots. And the point of this illustration is the same as the, the lump of dough, but it has a much broader application. But where, again, the roots of the tree are the patriarchs. They are the, 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 the saints, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the founding of the nation. And the branches of the tree are, are the modern Israelites, the Jews, that, that Paul is writing to in portions of this letter. And because he's saying because the root is holy, the tree also is blessed of God. Amen? Same principle as the lump of dough. But now we're going to carry it a little further. Verse 17 says, If some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. So what has happened, Paul says, is that some of the branches have cut themselves off from the life-giving resource that flows from the roots because of their unbelief. Because of their lack of obedience, they have turned their back on God and they've turned their back on the blessing that comes from the patriarchs. And even though they're in the lineage of Abraham and even though they can trace their heritage all the way back to the Old Testament, and they can tell you who their daddy's 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 daddy was and how he relates back to Abraham and they can take themselves back to the 12 tribes of Israel and they can, they can positively declare that they are the the inheritors of the heritage of Abraham, that they have the blessings of God. They have not walked in that. They have not been obedient to that. And they have cut off that, that flow, that, that vitality, that spiritual life that comes from the blessings of God because they have in, they've, they've not been faithful, but they've been disobedient to God and they have, they have isolated themselves from the blessings of God. And because they've done that, They've died. So those branches, they, they've dried up. They've shriveled up. They've become hard and they're brittle. And they're, they're dead branches on a living tree. Amen. I, perhaps you've got a tree like that in your yard where uh, one branch is, for whatever reason, has just died. And the rest of the tree is green and alive and, 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 and producing right now. It's budding out and making leaves and, and, and doing what it does in the spring of the year. But that, that branch, it's dead. It, it doesn't have any life in it. The, where the other limbs are limber and, they're, and, they're, and they, they bend and they, they've got some sap in them, they've got some life in them, and the green buds and shoots are coming out, that branch is dead and it's brittle and it's dry 
and, and, and it doesn't have any, any life in it. The rest of the tree is healthy, and the rest of the tree still gets the nutrients that are coming from the roots, but those branches are dead. That's how Paul explains the placement of the Gentile church into the plan of God and the blessings of God that flow from Abraham. He says that the dead branches, those that have forsaken God, those that have turned their back on God, those that were disobedient and have died in their faith, he said they were broken off. And God went to a wild olive tree. And he got those green branches from a wild olive tree. And he grafted them into the trunk of the good tree. Those new branches... They're not like the old branches. They're, they're not as profitable. They're, they're not as, as good. They're not as, as beneficial as the branches on the good olive tree. You see, the wild olive tree, it looks like an olive tree. It springs up on its own. It, it grows in the wild. But Brother Anderson, it doesn't make olives. It doesn't produce fruit. It's not fruitful in and of itself. It's just a wild olive tree, and it's not worth much. It doesn't have the breeding. It doesn't have the heritage. It doesn't have the, the lineage that the good olive tree has. It's, its roots are not holy. Amen? That's the Gentile nation. But what God said, or what Paul said as he was writing under the inspiration of God, is that those wild branches have now been grafted into the good olive tree. Those wild branches are now sustained by the same blessing that sustains the, the good tree. They, they now draw from, he said, the fatness uh, or, or the sap, the, 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 the flow of the vitality that comes from the roots of the olive tree. That now flows into those wild branches. In the parable, the, the, the new olive branches, the wild branches, they represent the Gentile church. And, and God has broken off some of the original branches that were dead and unprofitable and those that, that, that were just taking up space, but they were brittle and they were dead. And in their place, he has grafted in these new wild branches that had no spiritual inheritance, that, that were not even capable of producing good fruit on their own. They couldn't even make anything profitable by themselves, but God has put them into that olive tree, and he has put them on equal footing with the rest of the branches. And all of a sudden, the DNA of the good tree now flows through the wild olive tree. And the, and the, and the, the goodness and the richness of serving God and the blessings and the heritage that goes back for hundreds of generations now flows through those wild branches. And that which was not even capable of producing its own fruit is now fruitful because of the blessing of God that has been grafted into. Amen. The fruitfulness and the spiritual vitality that flows from the patriarchs forward now flows through the Gentile church in the same manner that it has flown through the Jewish nation. Amen. What a wonderful illustration. Those who were not a people at all, the scripture said, have now become my people. 
those who had no heritage of all at all. They, they've been grafted into a heritage that, that was not theirs. Those who were not fruitful at all have become the bearers of the fruit of God. We were grafted in because of the blessing of heaven. We were grafted in because of the mercy of God. And we're reaping the benefit of, of a heritage that is not ours. Uh, we're reaping the benefit of a blessing uh, that didn't belong to us. We were of a, a wild tree. Amen. Our, our roots were not good, uh, but we were grafted into that good tree. Uh, and we're drawing the blessing that goes back to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the promise of God that said, I will bless your seed. Uh, and whoever blesses you, I'm going to bless them. Uh, and whoever curses you, I'm going to curse them. We couldn't lay a hold of that promise. Uh, it didn't belong to us. Our roots didn't go back to that. Uh, but he has grafted us into that. Uh, and he has said, you were not a people, but now you're my people. Uh, you didn't have any heritage, uh, but now you've got the heritage uh, that belongs to the patriarchs. And their promise is now your promise. Uh, their blessing is now your blessing. Amen. We're reaping the benefit of a spiritual blessing that is not ours. And the point is that God took another unfruitful tree and he grafted it into the fruitful root. He took a wild olive tree and had no fruitfulness, had no ability to produce, had no good. Isaiah said there's no good in us. The best of our righteousness is like filthy rags in the presence of God. And he grafted us into his blessings and the, the flow of his goodness. And he produces fruit in my life that I couldn't produce on my own. Amen. He, he produces blessings in my life that don't come from anything I did for myself. I can't reach back and say, I caused that. Uh, he caused that because he grafted me into his blessings. Amen. Verse 18 says, boast not against the branches. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. What he's saying, this is a warning to the Gentiles. Not to become too proud of their newfound position in the church. He's saying, don't get the notion that you are somehow superior to the Jews that you have replaced. Remember this. You don't produce fruit on your own. The root doesn't depend on you. You depend on the root. The fruitfulness doesn't come from you. The fruitfulness comes from the root. There was nothing good in you. There was nothing about you that was going to produce goodness, but God has grafted you into the flow of his goodness and his blessing. And so before you get the idea that, that the Jews somehow got for themselves, that, that you're something special, that you can do this on your own, that all of these blessings come from something that you did, you need to remember where the blessings come from. The root doesn't depend on you. You depend on the root. Verse 19 says, Thou will say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. He said, so if you make this error, if you get the idea that, that somehow you're special, then you're going to say, the branches, they, they were broken off. It's, it's just human nature. We get puffed up in ourselves. 
And he warns the Gentiles, if you're not careful, you're going to look around and you're going to say, they were broken off. God despised them, but he he chose me and he's grafted me in. And you'll get the notion that you're something special. But Paul said, you need to remember why that happened. Verse 20 says, well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. Thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. There's a lot said in that verse. The Jewish branches weren't broken off because God preferred Gentile branches. The Jewish branches were broken off because of their unbelief. They were broken off because of their unfruitfulness. They were broken off because they had died on the tree. Amen? So what Paul says is don't forget that. You stand in the blessings of God not because of anything that you have done, but because of your faith. When the Jews stopped believing, when the Jews stopped obeying God, you were willing to believe and obey, and you were obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, You repented of your sins. You were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins, and you were filled with the glorious gift uh, of the Holy Ghost, and you obeyed the faith uh, that sprung up in your heart. And because of that, you were grafted in. That's why the blessings of God are flowing in your life. That's why the goodness of God is there. He said, don't get high-minded. There's no room for arrogance here. There's no room for superiority on your part. Instead, he said, you need to be fearful. Godly fear is not terror. It is respect. You need to respect the fact That it's God that saved you. And he didn't save you on the basis of some goodness in you. He saved you on the basis of the fact that you were willing to throw everything at at the foot of of the cross and say, Lord, I believe in you and I'll follow you. And whatever you ask me to do, God, I'm willing to do. Whatever you ask me to bear, God, I'm willing to bear. Whatever it is that you require of me, God, I'm willing to do it. Amen. And so what he's saying is you need to, you need to fear not that God would cut you off for no reason. Not that God would separate you for, for no good reason. After all, he didn't cut the Jews off for no reason. We should be aware that if he did cut them off, though, he can cut us off too. We should be aware that if, if he turned his back on those whose heritage it was, they were the seed of Abraham. They were a people. If he turned his back on them, how much more can he turn his back on you? That's the fear that Paul's talking about. He's telling us that we need to watch for our souls. We need to be careful. We need to, we need to be mindful of this blessing that we have and not neglect uh, the goodness of God, not neglect the relationship with God. See, the thing that got us here was that we were faithful and we were obedient and we surrendered to God. And the thing that cuts us off from the flow of that blessing is whenever we stop being faithful and we stop being obedient and we stop surrendering to God and we start taking back control of our lives and we start saying, I'm going to do it my way and it doesn't matter so 
so much what God says. It doesn't matter so much uh, the unction and the, uh, uh, the presence of God that I feel convicting me. I'm just going to ignore that, and I'm just going to do it the way I want to do it. That's what got the Jews cut off. And he said, you need to be mindful of that. You need to remember that. Verse 21 said, for if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. So if God didn't spare those natural branches, but he cut them off because of their unbelief, that should cause us to be aware that God will not tolerate our unbelief. God will not tolerate a, a while. If he, wouldn't, if he didn't honor the unbelief of a natural branch, he's certainly not going to honor the unbelief of a wild branch. Amen? If the unbelieving, disobedient Jews were cut off and they belonged to the tree, they belonged there. That was their heritage. That was what they deserved. How much more then is God willing to cut us off if we too refuse to believe and obey but decide after having been grafted into the good tree that we're going to go do our own thing? Amen? So Paul says you need to take heed because if God didn't spare the Jews, he's certainly not going to spare you either. If we go the same way they did, if we do what they did, then he's not going to spare us either. The fear, the respect that Paul is trying to instill in the Gentile believers is a wholesome thing. It's a good thing. It's a good, wholesome respect for God. You see, the Jews were not just arbitrarily removed from the tree. They were not cut off for, for no reason. God cut them off because they quit walking in the faith that connected them to the spiritual vitality of their heritage. They, they quit walking in the faith that connected them to the tree in the first place. And before he cut them off, they were already dead. You see, you need to understand this. God didn't take a branch that was struggling and cut it off. God didn't take a branch that was sick and diseased and cut it off. He didn't take a branch that still had life in it but was weak and weary and wounded and cut it off. No, he took branches that had completely died and he removed them from the tree. The message is not that God's going to discard you if you struggle in your faith. The message is not that if you get wounded and weary, you better look out because God's going to give you the boot. The message is not that if you find yourself in a place where you're struggling and you're weak and you're tired, uh, that you better look out because God's getting ready to kick you out of the kingdom. That's not at all what the message is. But the message is that you need to be aware of the fact, uh, amen, even in those places, God's going to be working with you just like he worked with the Jews to try to strengthen you and try to uphold hold you and try to graft you back into that thing that sustains you. But if you go so far that you die spiritually, if you go so far that you walk away from the blessings of God, you walk away from the goodness of God, the same God that was willing to cut off the dead Jews will be willing to cut off a dead Gentile. Amen? So he says this, Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God. On them which fell, severity, but toward thee, goodness, if. Isn't that a big word? 
if thou continue in his goodness. Otherwise, thou also shall be cut off. So Paul says that both the goodness and the severity of God are on display here. God, who is both judge and the giver of mercy, becomes a judge to those who reject him and becomes a giver of mercy to those who trust him. And the same hands that cut off the dead branches, uh, tenderly graft in the live branches, uh, and try to sustain them and try to help them grow and, and try to nourish them, the same hands that give mercy become the hands that bring judgment. And those that died in their faith, who cut off, the life-giving flow of the fatness of the sap that was sustaining them and caused themselves to die spiritually. They've ignored the blessings of God. They've ignored the goodness of God. They've ignored the word, the will, and the purpose of God for their lives. And they've cut, they didn't get cut off. They cut themselves off. God didn't cut them off until they were dead. They've separated themselves from the flow of the goodness of God. And they experienced then the severity of God. That, that word severity has to do with sharpness. It has, it's a reference to the, the cutting off. It is the judgment of God. So even those who are spiritually dead, they, they've experienced the severity of God. But those who are spiritually alive through their continued faith, through their continued obedience, if they continue in the goodness of God, they continue in the fruitfulness that God has for them, they experience the goodness of God. Paul goes on to say that as long as we continue in our faith to be obedient to the will of God, we're going to be recipients of his goodness. We don't have to worry about being cut off. We don't have to worry about being discarded. As long as we continue in the goodness of God, we don't have to worry about God's going to remove us from the tree. Amen? But if not, he said, but if not, otherwise, thou also shall be cut off. Now understand, this is written to Gentile Christians. This was written to church folks. And the language is very plain. Having once been saved, having once been grafted into the tree, it is possible then to commit the same error that the Jews have committed. The same error that the ones who once occupied the tree before you have committed that caused them to be cut off. And having once been grafted in the tree, it is possible to make that same error and to die in your faith. And even though you're connected to the tree of blessing, even though you're connected to the tree of goodness, even though that spiritual life flows from that tree, it's possible to cut your, yourself off in such a way that you die spiritually. And Paul said if you die spiritually, understand the same hand that grafted you in will cut you off. Amen. David Bernard says this. He says, if we do not continue to walk by faith that is obedient to God, then the consequences are clear. We will cut ourselves off from God's grace and lose our own salvation, even as the unbelieving Jews of Paul's day did. That's the message. Verse 23 says, and they also 
if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. Now watch this. Even though the unbelieving Jews have been cut off, even though they are no longer plugged into that tree, they are, they are dead in unbelief. They've been removed from the tree. He said, if they don't abide in that unbelief, if they turn their heart again, if they renew their faith and obedience to God, if they go back to that thing that brought life to them, he says, they can still be grafted back into the tree again. Failure doesn't have to be final. Being cut off from the tree doesn't have to be the end of the story. Just because one dies spiritually and just because the hand of God reaches down and cuts them off from the blessings of God, that does not mean that all hope is lost. God may have cut the branches off, but Brother Anderson, he hadn't gathered them up and thrown them in the fire yet. He hasn't disposed of them. They haven't been annihilated. Amen. Because he hasn't destroyed them, there's still opportunity for them to live again. There's still opportunity for life to spring up within them again. And if that happens, if they turn back to God, if they turn back to the mercy of God, if they turn back to the grace of God, if they plug themselves back into the flow of the goodness of God, the same hand that cut them off uh, will graft them back in again. I come to declare loud and long from this pulpit this morning, this isn't a one and done proposition, amen. Just because you messed up, just because you fell, just because you walked away doesn't mean that has to be the end of the story. That doesn't mean it has to be the end of the line. Yes, God is merciful, and yes, God will judge, but neither one is the end of the story, amen. You can always turn your heart back to his goodness and find judgment turn into mercy, just like we just said. You can have see the mercy of God turn into judgment. You can see the judgment of God turn into mercy. Amen. What matters is not what you've done. What matters is not where you've been. What matters is not how often you've failed. What matters is what you're willing to do about it. What matters is where you go from here. Are you willing to plug yourself back into the flow of the goodness of God? Are you willing to reacquaint yourself uh, with that anointing uh, and that presence of God uh, that flows through your life and makes you fruitful? Amen. That which has not yet been destroyed can live again. That's the promise of Scripture. Amen. Verse 24 said, For if thou were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these which be the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? So now Paul presents the evidence for the last statement that we made. If God was willing to include the Gentiles who were cut out of an olive tree, a wild olive tree, and grafted contrary to nature, wild olive branches don't grow on a good olive tree by, by nature. Can't happen in nature. What, what God did in my life is, is something that, that can't be explained naturally. Amen. He took a man that was a sinner and he washed me in his blood. Amen. He took a man that was unholy and unrighteous and didn't have any good thing in me and he washed me in his blood. Amen. And he made something good where nothing good was. Amen. Amen. So he said if he can do that, if he can work against nature and he can graft you in to that 
olive tree and make you fruitful, how much more will he be willing and able to take those natural branches that have been cut off? Uh, those they, they belong to that tree in the first place. They come from that tree. That's where they are supposed to be. That's their heritage. You're, you're enjoying their heritage. And he said, how much more can he take them and graft them back into the tree that they came from? That's Paul's heartbeat. We talked about this last time. He longs for revival among the Jews. He longs to see his brethren restored. And so uh, he, he, he knows that if God has cut them off, he can bring them back. But not at the expense of the Gentiles. He's not saying that, uh, that, that it's one or the other. It's an either-or proposition. Not at all. There's room enough in the tree for both of them. And so Paul longs to see as many Gentiles as possible grafted into the goodness of God, but at the same time, he longs to see that which was cut off come to life again and be grafted back into the blessings of God. Amen. That, that's the heartbeat uh, of the church. Not We want to see lost souls saved. We want to see people who have never known the goodness of God find the goodness of God and get grafted into that flow of blessing. But we also want to see those that have walked away and those that have gotten hurt and wounded and those that have struggled in their faith and have fallen away. We want to see them restored. We want to see them come back to life and find that grace and that goodness of God. God flowing in their life because we have a message of hope. Failure doesn't have to be final. It doesn't have to be the end of the story. Amen? Amen. Verse 25 said, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become. This final verse, verse 25, wraps up everything that we talked about and gives definition to the church age. We are living in a time span where though both Jews and Gentiles can be saved right now, God has extended his grace to the Gentile bride. Blindness in part has happened to the Jews. As a nation, there, there's a mental block there. As a nation, there's, there's blindness there. They can't see Jesus as the Messiah. It says in part because that doesn't exclude any individual Jew from salvation. That nobody is excluded from the grace and the mercy of the cross. In part because some of them still believe. Because some of them will believe that don't believe right now. But Paul recognized the vast majority of the Jews can't see Jesus as the Messiah and their unbelief has created an opportunity for the Gentiles. And we have laid a hold of the blessing that they have rejected. And we've been grafted into the good tree, amen, that we're not a part of any kind of fruitful tree. We were wild olives. We've been grafted into the good tree. But Paul looks forward to a time when the fullness of the Gentiles has come, when God has finished the work that he's doing in the Gentiles and turns his heart and turns his eyes back to the nation of Israel again, 
Right now, he deals with Jews on an individual basis. Right now, any Jew can be saved. None of them are excluded from salvation. But we talked in Romans chapter 9 about how he dealt with Israel as a nation. And in Romans chapter 10, how he dealt with individual Jews. And we're in that period right now. But there's coming a time when he's going to deal with Israel again as a nation. When he's going to turn back to them again as a people. And Paul is looking forward to that time. Amen. When the fullness of the Gentiles has come and God turns his heart back to those that were the seed of Abraham. Amen. So once again this morning, we're admonished not to take our salvation for granted. If you don't get anything else in that parable, you need to get this. Amen. We're to be watchful. We're to be careful. We're to be constantly vigilant. The message from the parable to the Gentiles is reminiscent to the command of Peter in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 where he said, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. We're to be careful. We're to be watchful. We're to be cautious because we have an enemy, an adversary, the devil, who walks about as a roaring lion seeking those that he can destroy. And the word of caution is don't be destroyed by the devil. Don't don't fall into that trap. Don't let yourself get cut off from the tree. We're to be constantly aware there is an enemy and there is the possibility that we could be lost having once been saved, but we are not to do that. We're to keep our mind on the cross. We're to keep ourselves in the grace and the mercy of God. Amen. We're to follow after him. Amen. God is not quick to mercy or quick to judgment. He's long-suffering in judgment. He is quick to mercy. He he doesn't cut off the weak and the weary, the wounded. He doesn't cut off those that struggle. He cuts off those that are spiritually dead. Wounds will happen. Weakness is going to happen. You're going to struggle from time to time. But whatever you do, don't let it rob you of your spiritual life. Don't let it rob you of the spiritual vitality that sustains you. When you struggle, remember that you're connected to the root. And the goodness of God flows into your life. Amen. David said, I would have died had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen. I I don't know what kind of circumstance you may find yourself in. I don't know what you may be going through. But I want to remind you on a Sunday morning that you've been grafted into the flow of the goodness of God. And you may not be able to see it in your circumstance. You may may not be able to see it around you. But I promise you, if you'll lift up your eyes, uh, His goodness is going to overtake you. Amen. If you'll just hold on, if you'll just keep walking in the faith uh, and obedience to the Word, of God. His goodness is going to overtake you. His goodness is going to show up in your life because he's grafted you into that lineage of blessing. Would you stand with me, Brother Ryan, if you come to the music? Failure. So often we see it as absolute and final. So often we see it as, you know, once once you've fallen, you're done, you're finished, it's over. But the the primary message this morning was that, first of all, God loved a people who were not a people enough to graft them into his flow of blessings. But secondly, he loved those that have been cut off enough to bring them back again. And I can tell you, 
I know what it feels like to be grafted in again. Amen. I know what it feels like to, to find the mercy of God flowing in my life again. I know what it feels like to find the grace of God flowing rich and real into my heart in a time when I, I didn't feel worthy, when I didn't feel like I deserved it, when I, I felt like I'd gone too far, when I felt like I'd cut myself off, when I, when I felt like, Brother Donnie, that the judgment of God had severed me from that trunk of blessing. I, I know what it feels like to feel life come in again where, where deadness had reigned, uh, to feel the goodness of God come in again where judgment had been so certain. And I, I'm here today on a Sunday morning to declare to you that failure doesn't have to be the end of the story. That just because you're weak, just because you struggle, just because you're wounded, just because you don't seem to have the strength to carry on, that doesn't have to be the end of the story. The goodness of God, the richness of God, what Paul called the fatness of God that's flowing through this place this morning. I wonder if there's somebody in the sound of my voice be willing just to lift your hand and say, Lord, I need that. I need to be plugged into that today. I need to tap into that today. Lord, open up that fountain of blessing and let it flow into my life. Open up that fountain of goodness, God, and let it flow into my heart. I need the richness of the presence of God just to overtake me. I need the goodness of the Spirit of God just to flow through me. I need to feel once again what it feels like, Lord, when the fatness, when that spiritual vitality comes flowing through my life. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Brother Ryan's about to sing a worship, so I'm asking that you just find a place of prayer for a few moments. Would you tell the Lord that? I need you, Jesus. Lord, I need your goodness. Don't ever let me forget how much I need your goodness, God. Don't ever let me forget how much I need your mercy, God. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Can we call out to him this morning?